Welcome to the Grace Harbor Church Sermon Podcast. Grace Harbor Church is located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, visit our website at ghokc.com. We're reading from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, if you want to flip over there. Beautiful day outside. It is a little windy. All right, here we go. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, um, and we thank you um, that, that it, it always just speaks confidently and authoritatively, um, even, even when maybe we sometimes wonder, um, even when we um, are sometimes fickle. Um, Lord, we, we rest um, in the finished work of Jesus um, that we are taught about in um, the inspired Bible. And so we thank you for that. Lord, may we submit ourselves to your word today, um, and may you teach us great and glorious things from it. Um, we thank you for your grace and your mercy towards us, um, and we, we pray that your spirit, by your spirit, we would, we would grasp um, what that grace and what that mercy in our lives is. In your name, amen. You may have a seat. Um, so yes, I did say a little bit ago that I would not embarrass, but I kind of have to. Um, Doug has left the room. Deborah is here. I'm not gonna make them stand up. Um, every now and then, um, God just like sends little evidences of grace um, and uh, really just in some ways calms us with his grace and all those things. I don't even really know, know what to say, but this morning, um, Doug and Deborah walked in the door and, and I'm looking around this room um, and with the exception of just a couple, nobody in this room knows who Doug and Deborah are. Um, like for real, I, well, the Bradley, the Bradley families, they've been, they've been around for a while. Um, in fact, they walked, Rachel knows in fact, Doug and Deborah walked in and they just said, this is just a completely different place. Um, and I said, yeah, you're right. Um, Doug and Deborah moved away uh, to Duncan, um, right, Duncan? Um, Doug, I'm talking about you. As you should. <laughs> uh, Doug and Deborah moved away uh, in 2020 to Duncan. Um, and, and in the midst of their moving, COVID hit. Um, and so COVID kind of, caused a little bit of a, of a separation in us for a little bit um, until we realized that, oh yeah, we, we can meet together and be fine. 
Um, and, and then Doug and Deborah moved, and it was a really sad thing for us because Doug and Deborah um, go back with Grace Harbor several years. I mean, 2000, I mean, the first year is they showed up, 2018, I think, is when Doug and Deborah showed up. Um, and so just them walking in the door this morning, I haven't even had a chance to really catch up. I've got questions for Doug and Deborah, like, what are you doing here? Um, and so, um, man, I just want to say how, just really how, like, the Lord has even just brought peace in seeing their faces. You know, like, those people, you know those people, like, when you see them, you're just like, okay, I feel like I'm at home. Um, Doug and Deborah are, are some of those people for me. And so they've encouraged me, they've prayed for me, and they've just been a, a massive uh, blessing to my life. Okay, well, I will, I will pull back a little bit from, from Doug and Deborah. They're, they're relieved, I'm sure. Um, hey, so as we do each week, uh, we read through the entirety of the Beatitudes, uh, but this morning we're in part two of Blessed are the Merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Um, so if you, if you haven't been able to tell yet, we are not following the example of Jesus um, in preaching this sermon quickly. That's just an area that we're not following the example of Jesus. We're, gonna, we're preaching his sermon in a lot longer time than he did. Um, not that it was insufficient, not that what he taught was not sufficient, but because um, we have the responsibility and the ability to just help ourselves um, to understand exactly what it is that Jesus is trying to teach us. And so if you don't have a Bible, um, please use one of those in the seat in front of you um, and, and uh, follow along with us. Let's, let's read Matthew 5, 7, um, and this is what this says. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And so today um, is a continuation of what we began last Sunday. Um, and without working from what we established last Sunday, this is what you need to hear, without working from the foundation of what we attempted to establish last Sunday, we really have an incomplete picture of mercy and what it is that Jesus is communicating here. Uh, but um, I was telling somebody recently um, that I'm, I'm prone to doing recaps every week. So like, I don't know what it is. It's like, a, it's like a security blanket for me that I like to do recap from the week before. Um, and, then, and then I revisited the Rocky movies. Has anybody seen the Rocky movies? I watched the Rocky movies as a kid, but just over the last few weeks, I've introduced my kids to the Rocky movies. Y'all like the Rocky movies, don't you? Uh, they like the Rocky movies. And here's what, I, here's what I realized about the second, third, and fourth Rocky. And I haven't seen ones beyond that. Every Rocky movie begins with the last 10 minutes of the Rocky before it. Have you noticed that? Um, that like they, they, they don't just show a highlight in number two of Rocky's fight with Apollo Creed. They show the whole fight again. And I'm like, I've already watched this fight. I don't need to see this again. And so I took that um, as a personal challenge to not recap my sermons every week because if you wanna hear it, you can go listen to it. We're technologically, we're pretty savvy. Um, you can go watch it, you can go listen to it. And so we're not gonna recap all of it, but here's what I will say. We're gonna recap a little bit. Here's what I will say. Um, I will say that without working from what we attempted to establish last week, we just cannot begin to wrap our minds around what Jesus is saying here. Uh, because Jesus doesn't disconnect what he's saying from what we highlighted last week. And so here's essentially what we cannot afford to disconnect from, uh, from what we will look at today. It's this, that the scriptures establish for us that mercy is not just something that God has, 
Like it's not just part of who he is. Rather, mercy is who God is. Mercy is who God is. Most fundamentally, it is who, I won't say that, but it is in, in regards to his relation with us, mercy is who God is. In, in fact, we saw that last week. We saw that it is when he introduces himself to the Israelites in Exodus 34, what does he say? I, my, my name is God, slow to anger, merciful, abounding in steadfast love. So we saw um, what most naturally flows from the heart of God, and that's mercy. If you need some text for that, that's Exodus 34, four through seven, Isaiah 55, six through nine, and Ephesians two, four through seven. And so here's the thing, church family. We cannot begin to understand what Jesus is saying to us about being merciful without first realizing that mercy is what flows from God's heart towards sinners. And so what, what Jesus is saying here in these Beatitudes is that a kingdom citizen bears these characteristics, uh, that, that when a citizen of the kingdom of heaven has realized how deeply and how lavishly that God has been merciful to them, then they will begin to be willing and able to show mercy to others. And again, hey, if it's just us left to our flesh and our, and our selfishness and our humanity, mercy is not what most naturally flows from us, is it? It's not what most naturally flows from us when we have been hurt, when, we, when, something, when something has been done to us. And so Jesus is saying is that mercy is, is what should flow from a life rightly ordered under submission to God in the way of his kingdom. And remember, not the, the right way to read this verse that Jesus is saying in 5.7 is not, is, is not necessarily that... that um, you will not be shown mercy if you don't show mercy. What, what Jesus is saying, again, is that a life rightly ordered under submission to God who has been shown mercy will then show mercy to other people. And remember, we said that activity as disciples, activity as the people of God doesn't uh, flow, or, or that activity flows from identity. Activity flows from identity. Did you catch that? Identity doesn't flow from activity. Um, it is, it is, I'm trying to, trying to think of really how to, how to, how to frame this, but we, we do not work for God's love. We work from God's love. Does that make sense? Anybody? Are we awake? Sorry, I'm probably putting us to sleep. The Rocky thing, just, I lost you, didn't I? Um, we work from the love of God, not for the love of God. Amen? Amen. We, we work from it, not for it. And so last week's point, remember, I said last week, essentially, that this is, a one, this, is, this is one sermon split in two parts, and we had three points. Make sense? Last week, we covered point one. This week, we covered, uh, we're going to cover points two and three. Last week's point was mercy and the heart of God, and then today, we're going to look at mercy and the cost to God. Secondly, mercy and the call of God. Get that? Mercy and the cost to God and then mercy and the call of God. And so we will look at two main texts to help us understand each of these today, and then we'll try to wrap this up. And so let's look first at mercy and the cost to God. So you hear that and you're like, what, is, what does that mean? Well, essentially this, mercy had a great cost to God. I'm gonna say that. Mercy cost God something. Um, when, when God faced the nothingness 
and the void in the very beginning, you know, like Genesis 1, when, when, the, when it was darkness and void, when God faced that, he solved this by speaking things into existence, by the word of his power, by saying, let there be light, and light showed up. When, when, there, when, there, was no, when there was no separation, he, he spoke it into being, and it, and it happened. Yet, when God looked upon humanity and saw us in our sin, he didn't just speak it, although he probably could have. We believe that God is all-powerful. He is omnipotent. When he looked upon us and saw us in our sin, he didn't just speak it. No, what did he do? He sent his son. Mercy had a cost to God. And so, so don't hear what I'm not saying. Our, our sin... Your sin is no conundrum to God, or nor is it some sort of impossibility. God was not wringing his fingers up in heaven when mankind sinned and like, what are we gonna do? No, the Bible teaches us that, that Jesus was there before the foundations of the world, right? And so if Jesus was there, then God at that point already had a plan for how to save us from our sins, and so, again, please don't hear what I'm not saying, that our sin is a conundrum or that our sin is some sort of impossibility, but what we must understand is that our sin against God is no light thing. When we, when we talk about sin costing God something, then what we have to embrace and acknowledge is that our sin is no light thing. One of the reasons why, church family, that we have such a hard time understanding mercy, like we hear Jesus say, blessed are the merciful, we hear Jesus say, forgive as you've been forgiven. One of the reasons why we have such a hard time grasping mercy is because we cannot understand the depth of our own sin. You, you wanna know why mercy is such a hard thing to wrap our minds around? One of the reasons why is because we cannot understand and we do not understand the depth of our sin and how treacherous it is. It really is against a holy God. I mean, that's a, this is fundamental for us to understand mercy and grace and salvation. And one of the ways that we can see just how treacherous and devastating our sin is, is to look at Christ, is to, to look at Christ and to see at what lengths the Father went to pursue peace with humanity by sending his Son. And so when we talk about mercy, it first has to, we, we have to come to a realization how deeply our sin affects this relationship between humanity and a holy God. And then we see at what cost God went to purchase us. And so rather than just making this up um, on my own, we go to Romans chapter five. I'm gonna have somebody read as we do most weeks. Romans chapter five verses six through 11. Let's go to Romans five, six through 11. And if someone would loudly and uh, boldly read Romans five, six through 11. Since therefore we have now been justified by 
okay, here's what I'm gonna do. We, we haven't done this before. I'm gonna ask everybody to actually read that to themselves one more time. Just read it. We'll give you about, I think it took him about 30 seconds. Give you about 30 seconds to read that passage on your own. What a passage, isn't it? I mean, what a powerful section of scripture that Christ died for sinners. Can I, can I put that in some personal language? Christ died for you. Christ died for sinful people and not only sinners in some general way, but this text says, while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners. It wasn't like, I think the point that, that, that Paul's trying to drive home here is, is, is and I think the accurate way to understand and the plain, actually original language of this text is that while we were sinning, while we were in the act of, think about your darkest moments. Think about your, your, your moments of sinfulness, of anger, of, of lust, of what, whatever that may be. And what Paul is saying here is that while you were in the act of that, Christ looked ahead, saw that, and died for us while we were yet sinners. And so the fact that Christ gave his life for us while we were actively betraying him and sinning and turning our backs on him is merciful. Merciful and gracious because in that moment, what we deserve is not forgiveness. What we deserve is the wrath of God. Paul Paul says we weren't even done sinning and Jesus was, was dying for us. Paul, Paul says here that it's, that it's rare for one to die for someone who is worth dying for. Like you, you see that it says, uh, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person. See that in verse seven? Scarcely will one die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. And then Paul says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, he died. So, very rarely will you find someone willing to die for a good person, right? Like this person deserves for someone to be a sacrifice for them. And what Paul's saying is, you, as a sinner, you, didn't even, you couldn't even achieve that level of worthiness. Jesus gave his life while we were still sinners. One verse that we all know is John 3.16. Um, someone either read that or Recite that for us, if you would. Go for it, Manny. I'll, I'll start you. Wonderful. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Thanks, Manny. So we won't spend long on this, but, but 
One of, the, one of the easy ways that it is to, to read this is when we see when for God so loved the world, we think God loved the world so much, which is true, right? I mean, he loves sinners so much. But I think that the, way, that the way that we are to read this is not so much God loved the world so much, rather, this is the way in which God loved us, that he gave his, for God so loved the world. How did God so love the world? by giving his only son. This is the way in which he demonstrated his love towards us. And so yes, God loves you so much. Let me just tell you that, people. Like, as I said last week, God doesn't regret saving you. Never, in, in, at no point in any of his time and eternity is he like, man, I wish I could just take that day back. Like, hey, you and I have like worked lots of deals, right? Like we've We've like lent people money, we've done all those things, and we think like, man, if I could just go back, I would not do that again. God doesn't operate that way in your salvation. He never looks at you and regrets what he's done. Never. He's never ashamed to call you his child. He's never ashamed of that. And so John 3.16 says that God loved the world in this way that he gave his son. Man, mercy came at a great cost to God and to the son who gave his life for us. So we have to realize that. Guys, this is the foundation we're working for because here's the deal. It's about to get even harder. What I'm about to say is going to get more and more difficult. But let me just say that if we try to understand what is about to be said without first realizing what God's heart is, and secondly, what mercy cost God, then the practical implications of this are, really are impossible. In fact, I think that's what Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes. He's saying, this is a kingdom citizen thing. Remember, what he has said is, you don't get into the kingdom by being proud and arrogant and boisterous. You get into the kingdom by being poor in spirit. You don't get into the kingdom by being proud of your sin and bragging about it in the locker room. No, you get into the kingdom by mourning over your sin and realizing the separation that it has caused between you and a holy God. So everything's upside down. Even when he says, blessed are the merciful, because we think, no, this is not what that person who has harmed me deserves. It is not what this person who has betrayed me deserves. And we, we tried really hard last week. This is where, this is where it may be really important for you to, to hear what we said last week, because we did. We spent a, a pretty big length of our time just acknowledging the hurt and the brokenness and the pain that you may have experienced in your life because of the actions of someone else. And we ultimately said this. And if you, if you miss what we said between this, it, it, may, it may not come across right. But we ultimately said this. We believe that what God is saying is that it is possible for you to extend mercy and forgiveness to a person who has hurt you and caused pain in your life. And so, mercy in the heart of God. Secondly, mercy in the cost to God. And then finally, where we're at is mercy in the call of God. Mercy in the call of God. And so there are dozens of passages that we could look at to see how Jesus calls humanity to extend mercy to one another. 
literally. Like it's, it's, it's all over the place. In fact, it seems that every other parable that Jesus is teaching through the gospels um, has something to do with mercy and showing mercy, just as we have been shown mercy by him. The book of James teaches us about what practical implications of mercy look like. But I believe one of the most poignant teachings of Jesus on the topic of mercy is in Luke 10 in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Pretty familiar with that, right? But I think we need to read that together. So let's go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. If you're in one of those Bibles in the seats in front of you, um, that is on page 869. 869. Luke 10, 25 through 37. I want you to really focus in on what's happening here. Somebody would, somebody would read that for us. So there is, there's a deep and, and, and what I believe a, a complicated for us to understand context to understanding what exactly is at play in this parable. I mean, like the, the, the racial, ethnic tension between the characters in this story would have gone very deep, would have had a, some, some pretty massive implications on the, the person who is hearing this story and they would have thought, no. Like, I mean, you remember in John 4, uh, Jesus and the woman at the well, um, where, where the, the, the woman says to Jesus, why are you here? Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Like, what are you doing here? Our groups of people don't, don't come together. And that's kind of what's at play here. There is some deep animosity and divide in what is going on in this parable. And we just don't have time to get into all of that this morning. Plug, if you are interested in that, Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m., we do sermon study in this room right over here, and we get into all of that fun stuff. So come join us, okay? Um, 6 a.m. on Wednesday mornings. And so I do want us to see just a couple of things. There are a couple of things for us to see. Firstly is this. Um, Jesus connects this parable and what he is teaching about mercy here explicitly to the second part of the greatest commandment. 
And so this man's trying to figure out, okay, what does it look like to love God and to love my neighbor? Remember, Jesus has said before, like, this is the greatest commandment. He said, the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so here you've got a guy who's really curious to figure out what does this look like in day-to-day life? Like, what, how, how, how much am I supposed to obey this? And Jesus gives this parable to help him understand what it is that God is teaching us about this commandment. And so Jesus connects this parable explicitly to the second greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus, in his own words, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Robbers, He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. Church family, if you want to honor and obey Jesus, this is the way that Jesus says in which we are to go about it. This is mercy. Jesus even uses the word mercy here to make sure that this isn't just charity or this isn't just good deeds. But no, this is that deep thing that is true about the heart of God, that he is a God of mercy towards the outsider, mercy towards the one who doesn't deserve it. So the first thing is that, that he connects it with the grace commandment. Secondly, and this is where it really kind of gets uncomfortable for us, mercy comes at a great cost. So mercy cost God something, his son. But we also must acknowledge this, that mercy will come at a great cost to you. Mercy will come at a great, like, has anyone experienced this before? Like when you've had to forgive somebody? It's not easy, right? I mean, that's, maybe that's the cost of showing mercy. The cost of mercy is that we abandon, sometimes, again, this isn't the case every time, please, don't hear me being uncharitable here. But sometimes the cost of mercy is our pride. Sometimes the cost of, of mercy is forgiving someone who, who, who maybe really on the surface truly does not deserve it. But mercy will come at a great cost to us. And, and in a culture that continually presses you, this is like, this cultural idea, like, listen, man, I've read the books on boundaries, like I've read the books on setting healthy boundaries, and I think boundaries are good. Like, I, I agree with them. But, but if, if boundaries in our life cause us to ignore the plain teaching of Jesus to extend mercy, hey, that, I don't know what that look. let me just say this, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how much involvement someone who has deeply hurt you, and, and in some cases it won't be safe, we know, to, to allow a certain person back into your life, into the inner workings of your life. But the question isn't how involved in, their, in your life are they, it is, have you shown mercy? Have you shown forgiveness? Have you obeyed Jesus in this area in showing mercy. And so in this culture that continually presses you to do you and to do what is best for you and to know your limits and entitles you to tap out and check out and disengage at little cost to you, Jesus says something different. He just does. And if you're mad at me for saying that, guys, this is why people don't like Jesus. 
I mean, this is, this, these are the reasons that people don't like Jesus because he doesn't fit neatly into our little boxes and our little boundaries. And I don't understand it. We, we established that last week. I don't understand all of what Jesus is trying to say here. I don't understand all the, the implications of this. I don't, there, there's part of me that wants to tame Jesus and say, well, what about this Jesus? Well, can we just begin fundamentally with Jesus, I submit myself to you. I submit my heart, I submit my mind, I submit my life to you, even when it's costly and even when it hurts. And so Jesus is just, I think Jesus is trying to teach us that until we acknowledge and realize at what cost mercy was to Jesus, that you will be very unwilling to embrace at what cost, at what level mercy will cost you. So, so many times we view things like this through what it may cost us rather than what it costs Jesus, right? I mean, we just, like, like we're, we're so focused in on what it will cost us. And by the way, Jesus addresses the cost that it will have to us. So it's obviously important. The cost of things is a relevant conversation to have because Jesus had it. I mean, there was a guy who, whose dad died. And I remember, I remember when I was a teenager, like I heard this story and I thought like, what is Jesus doing? Like, why is, why is he so mean? But there was a guy in, I th- believe it's in Matthew, who wants to go bury his father. And he says, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I need to go bury my father. And what does Jesus say? <laughs> it's, it, let the dead bury their dead. It's like, all right, Jesus, but my, my dad still has to be buried. Like the dead don't bury the dead. Like I need to do it. And I think Jesus is, is trying to teach us and he's acknowledging that following Jesus does have a cost. I don't, I, don't think that it, I don't think that Jesus is saying that it's never right for you to have a funeral and bury your parents, right? I don't think that's what Jesus is trying to establish there. I think what he's acknowledging there is that following Jesus is not convenient and it often has a cost. And if we are so fixated on what it costs us rather than letting the word disciple us and see what it cost Christ, we're never gonna begin to wrap our minds around what mercy could possibly look like. And again, maybe in one-on-one conversations or in, in, in just as a, as a friend, as a pastor, I could, we could encourage one another on what mercy might look like. And, and, and maybe at some point we'll, we'll take that time here but I don't know what that, I, I'm just confessing and, and being vulnerable here. I don't know exactly what all that looks like. And I would also confess, there's part of me that wants to somewhat kind of like diminish this a little bit, like wants to help soften the blow of this. But what we're gonna do here is we're just gonna say, hey, we're gonna look at Jesus and we're gonna say, Jesus, you, you know. And so as costly and as difficult as this may be, this is a matter of obedience. And so later in the sermon, Jesus is going to dig deep into the implications of this. So that's some of why we're not doing that right now. Jesus, Jesus is gonna dig deep into the implications. He's gonna dig deep into the practicality of this when he speaks about anger and later in Matthew chapter five, when he speaks about um, retaliation, when he speaks about forgiveness. But what I believe, this is, this is where we're gonna wrap it up. And I want you to hear this, that what I believe Jesus to be doing 
and to be zoning in on primarily in these Beatitudes is that kingdom citizens, first and foremost, out of the gate and fundamentally, are recipients of mercy. We cannot miss that, church family. We cannot miss that we have been shown mercy. And if there's anything in you, if there's anything in you that tempts you to believe, well, I was a good church kid and I, it's, I at least deserved it a little bit more than the, than the druggy kid over here, you don't understand mercy. You don't understand the depth of your own sin. You don't understand that Jesus oftentimes called out the, the righteous before he called out the sinners. In fact, he says, I didn't come for the righteous. I didn't come for the self-righteous, but for sinners. And until you can approach God as a sinner with empty hands and not as someone who's like, God, look what I got, then we're not gonna wrap our minds around mercy. And so Jesus is zoning in primarily that kingdom citizens are first and foremost, ultimately recipients of mercy and that it is only from that place It is only from an acknowledgement of the mercy that we have received where mercy then can be extended to others. Do you at least understand the concept I'm trying to help us understand, develop? I'm I'm not, hey, here's the deal, y'all. We are not a people here at Grace Harbor who have this all figured out. We're not. In fact, um, if, if, if we are, just put like one of those webcam things in my car, in the dash of my car, and see how I react at this traffic light right up here, like this one, Hefner and Rockwell. I can, I can show you where my sin happens a lot of times, right there, and where, where, I, where I fail to extend mercy and where I fail to acknowledge the mercy that I've been given. Why do people always try to make left turns there? This sign says, no left turn. Okay, see? I'm welling up here. Jesus is saying that if we are going to extend mercy, we've got to first and foremost, come to a place where we have encountered and where we acknowledge the level of mercy at which we have been shown, or the, or the, the level at which we have been shown mercy. And so in a way, family, I believe that Jesus is sharing the gospel here. Hey, the gospel, like what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news about the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. That's the gospel. And so we don't see Jesus preaching death, burial, and resurrection here, but I firmly believe that he is sharing in a way the gospel. Hey, you are sinful people and you've been shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful for they will obtain mercy. They've got their day coming. They've had their day and they've got it coming. If you're a child of God, if you're a kingdom citizen. And so in a way, Jesus is sharing the gospel here that you and I as citizens of the kingdom have entered that kingdom only because the king has come to the slums to bring us in. Do you realize John 1, 14, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us? That's not just, that's not just a fact. That's a that's a, an attesting to the seeking grace and mercy of Jesus, that he has come from heaven to earth to show the way. Just kidding. Come from heaven to earth to extend mercy and grace to us. And that once we deeply encounter and experience that, 
mercy then will not be so unfathomable for us to extend to those around us. So church, if, if, you, if you don't understand this, if you don't believe, can I just tell you that like Jesus is really merciful and gracious towards those who don't believe and they don't understand? There's a person who comes to Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. And can I just tell you that this is an area that if we don't submit ourselves to God in, this is an area of unbelief. If we think I could never forgive, I could never show mercy to this person, then what I just wanna, what I wanna put to you, not, as, not in a way of judgment, not in a way of burden, but what I'm going to say to you is something you may not like, that is an area of unbelief that you can bring to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your spirit to help me believe what you have taught me about the heart of God, about what mercy cost God, and then what God you are calling me to extend to other people. And he will meet you in that place with more mercy and more grace than you can fathom. Not as, not as a slap on the back of the head as why don't you have this figured out yet, but as someone who will show himself as gentle lowly and merciful to you. And so, hey, one of the ways that we flesh this out is in community. One of the ways that we flesh this out is, is not living in isolation, but, but in community with other people. That we would come together with, with those who have experiences similar to ours and that we would just pray for one another, that we would encourage one another. That happens a lot of times in community groups at Grace Harbor, but, but can happen in a, in a host of other ways. But if you are someone who is living disconnected from a community of people who can pray for you, who can encourage you, who can disciple you, then I would just really encourage you to lean into that. Let's pray. Father, would you just help us today to understand um, not just the cost that mercy had, but Lord, the lengths that you went to extend mercy to us. Uh, mercy, mercy didn't only begin at the cross. Mercy didn't, didn't only begin at Jesus coming to earth, but Lord, you, you reveal to us yourself as early as, as the book of Exodus, that your name, who you are, is a God who is merciful and abounding and steadfast love. But Lord, we know that you will, you will not look over our transgressions. And so, so Lord, as, as people in here today, I, I pray that if, um, if there is a, a believer in here, one who has submitted their lives to you and, and given their, their, their life and says, I submit myself to King Jesus, that Lord, you would just, just encourage them and remind them and maybe confront them and correct them on, on some of the ways that we've misunderstood mercy. And Lord, if there is a person in here who doesn't know you, who has never submitted their life to you, the Lord, they would take hold of this mercy that you offer. That they would, they would believe and they would experience that if they would confess their sins, that you are faithful and you are just in forgiving us of those sins in cleansing us from all unrighteousness. And so help us to understand this, help us to encounter this. And then Lord, help us in what this looks like. 
in our, in our day-to-day relationships and those who may have caused us great pain and great harm. Lord, give us wisdom in that area. Um, we, we know that, that we need wisdom. We know that we need the, the comforting presence of your spirit in many of those cases. And then Lord, just, just allow, allow us that if we have been in that place where we have been deeply hurt or deeply offended, Lord, to not, to, to not attempt to walk in that in, a, in an isolated way, but to, but to maybe find someone in their life who would, who would just be so merciful towards them and, and gracious towards them and compassionate towards them, but who also just may, may be able to, to give wisdom um, and, a, and a sound voice in their life. And so, Lord, I just, I feel, I feel led to, to asking you to, to provide that for some of our folks today. That you would provide for them the courage to seek someone out, to walk with them in this, in, 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 in this really dark space of extending mercy to someone who we have never even considered could possibly be be deserving of it. So I just ask your spirit to move within our hearts and to help us in that. We pray these things in your name. Amen.